live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I was born 120 years late, and I missed the gold rush. But how about you and me start it back up again? I love prospecting. Um, and so I retired from my job in Alaska and just wandered off during the summers for the last three years. And I just camp out up there in that beautiful wilderness and just look at a mountain and try to figure out how the gold falls off of that mountain. And then I look at the creek that goes by and I try to figure out how that gold gets accumulated by that creek, by the flow. And then I try to figure out how I'm going to use the current in that creek to work that area and try to get some of that gold for myself. It's simple. So, and then during the winter time, I come back down here to Portland and I stay with a really wonderful woman. And um, she calls me her adventure boy. And I call her my Portland girl. And we've known each other for about 10 years. And she's wonderful. And one of the most wonderful things about her is she lets me go again. <laughs> for the summertime, and I go back up. And so, last year when I was up there in Alaska, I noticed something happened in the creek. And right at the end, right before I came back down, I noticed that this big rock, this big car-sized boulder, at least 12 tons, this thing had moved down the creek about four feet. And so, and all of Alaska has been uh, prospected for since the 1800s, so it's a little bit picked over. But where that rock was, nobody else knows what's under there. Nobody's been under there in all that time. And nobody else knew it except for me, because it was kind of around a bend in a creek where people don't go. And so all during last winter, I had this picture of that rock, and I was thinking about how I would work that thing, and I might just find something this year. So I go, up in, uh, I go up in May of this year, and I have a partner up there named Rick. And Rick is a fisherman, and he works on the boats. He doesn't do the fishing. He just fixes the boats, so he has the whole summer off. And he's really strong, and he's really good with knots, and he's a really great cook. And he's kind of a, he's a profane guy. He's a fisherman. And he's a little bit cranky. And he's been trying to quit smoking for 30 years. <laughs> you know, one of those guys. So, so we got together up there. We set up our camp. And then we went down to the creek to look at that rock. And the rock was just... The water was up two feet higher than it was last year, and there was at least 10 times the amount of water going through. It was a high water year up there in Alaska this year, the summer. So the rock was just a little bulge in the white water. And so we have to divert that flow so that we can work the rock, right? 
So we have to build a dam. So for a couple of days, we just carried big, huge rocks over there and dropped them in the creek above the rock and built a little structure. You just drop rocks in there, and then as if a rock sticks, then you can drop a rock on this side, and you just build a little structure. Then you stick a tarp, the last thing you do with that. So, and we got about six feet out into the current, and then our rocks were just, there was too much water, and it was just taking the rocks on down. So we, we just, you put a tarp over that, and then the tarp sucks up against the rock, and doesn't let any more water through and diverts all that water. So we built about a six foot, and it's about 25 feet wide in this area. So we built about six feet, got the tarp on there, and looked at the rock, and a little side of the rock was poking out, but we couldn't work it yet. And so I'm looking around the camp, and there's an old bridge laying over there, and the cross pieces are all rotted away, but the but the rails are still there and they look pretty stout. And so we used our ropes and our ingenuity to drag those things over and then the, the buoyancy in the creek to get them across, get one across the creek and wedge it in by some rocks on the far side and wedge it in against the bank on the near side. And then we're looking for something to stick in there to divert the water and there's an old car hood laying there. And I thought, you know, if we, could, if we could get that car hood in there at the right angle, it would get us like three feet of purchase just right that one thing. But we got to watch our fingers. You don't want to get your fingers in. You want to be careful when you put it in. So we planned it all out, and we, we dropped that car hood in, and it came back and bam against the, uh, against the beam, and, and the water piled up on it. And then the water went the other way, just like we wanted it to. And it was so exciting. And I looked back at the rock, and the rock is, there's about a third of it that we could work now. And, and we're just ready to congratulate each other, but we need a little bit more. And so I'm looking around, and I see an old pallet board laying there. And that's just cross pieces and two-by-fours, but it disrupts the turbulence of the water. And it can calm the water behind it. So, and if we put it in at an angle, the force of the water would hold it down against its buoyancy. So we got that, we got that paddleboard out there and stuck it in and bam, against the, and it held. And we looked back and the rock, half the rock, we could work half the rock. And I turned back and I was just ready to congratulate my buddy Rick and I learned something right then, and that's something probably every damn engineer knows <laughs> right out of the gate is that you don't uh, look at your handiwork from downstream. <laughs> and I was standing on the downstream side of this structure, and he was standing on the upstream side. We were about six feet away from each other. And we weren't watching the thing bend, and we weren't watching the amount of force on our beam, and all of a sudden, bam, that beam exploded. And so the beam comes downstream, the car hood comes downstream, the power board comes downstream, and it just comes right over to me and knocks me down and then goes over the waterfall. But it didn't really hurt me, but I'm in the water. And, and I was starting to 
go downstream towards the waterfall, but I saw a, a way to just throw my leg up over this rock that was, off, that was behind me over here. So as I'm falling down and floating in the water, I just threw my leg up, and the, the buoyancy of me and the force of the stream just set me right up on this rock. And I just pop up on this rock just like a cowboy jumping up on a horse. And I'm looking right at Rick. And Rick is looking at me and he says, I thought you were gone. And he, he's just kind of, he's looking for a pack of cigarettes, you know. <laughs> he's searching his waders for smokes. And, uh, and then he wants to, and I can tell that he wants to, like, swear a blue streak and get real frustrated with losing all that. But I was so excited and it was such a blast to do that, that, and I survived it. You know, the, the creek like took me, but then it spit me back out again. And so I just hooted and hollered and sat there like a cowboy on that horse. And uh, he just kind of looked at me like, who is this guy? And, and as I was sitting there, I kind of had a thought, after I got done hooting and hollering, I kind of had a thought, I sure would like to talk to that Portland girl and just hear her voice on the phone. And, you know, and everything would be okay. But, of course, there's no cell phone coverage, and we got to get back at, to work. So we got, so we went back and tried to work this creek, and the water never came down during the year, and we were never able to work that rock. And that creek kept all of its little secrets for this year, but I'm still alive. And so when I did finally talk to that... Um, Portland girl about a month later, and it was time to go home. And I called her up to help with the arrangements to, for travel. And she was so excited, and she was so kind, and she was so welcoming. She was so happy to have me back. And I knew before the phone call was over that I had to propose to this girl. And so, thanks. So I had two weeks to plan this thing. And I just wanted to do it right this time, and I've never done it correctly in my lifetime. And I don't even know all the rules, but I said, I said to myself, John, don't just ambush her in the family room. Wait until you get over to the couch. Wait until you get some cups of coffee, and then go over to her and get on her knee Take her hand in your hand, look her in the eyes, and don't just blurt out the question. Say something about what she needs to you. So, so I kept on, you know, I kept rattling that stuff off in my brain. Okay, do this, then this, then this. So, and I got this ring from a librarian up there that makes jewelry, and she makes this little silver ring with a little, um, little golden thread. And... The golden thread is kind of what, it's kind of why we're all here, and it's kind of what holds us all in this earth, and it's kind of what holds us all together, and it's what holds me. And so, so anyway, so I got, got this little ring, and I bring this ring, and I fly back down here, but it was a red eye, so I flew like all night, and then I rode the Max all the way down to Milwaukee, so I was... I was pretty wired, 
And she comes and picks me up and takes me back to the house. And the conversation is stilted because I have this question and I want to know and I have no idea what she's going to say. If I had a big pocket full of gold, I'd be more sure <laughs> what she's going to say. Anyhow, so, so we get back to the house and, uh, and I just have to know. So I did, I ambushed her in the family room. I just, and I got down on my knee. We were walking across the family room and I got down on my knee. I took her hand and she goes, what is wrong? What are you doing? She thought I was busted up from Alaska. And I said, Trish, I have loved you for a long time. Make me happy. Marry me. And she said, of course, without even thinking about it, like she always does with me. And so, so the thing is, I didn't find any gold this year. But, you know, gold kind of has a habit of coming and going. And it's only 99% pure. Right? But I found something that is just much, much, much better. And I hope it lasts a lot longer. And it's connection. That's my story.